Glory to God. Isn't that awesome? We sing glory to the Lord. He is the author of salvation. To Him belongs salvation. It doesn't belong to any man. It is His. He brings forth salvation. We cannot say it belongs to any man that He must by His own works bring forth salvation. So if you just slotted in, thank you so much for logging in. Welcome to our webcast. Today we are going to talk about the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? And how can we be made the righteousness of God? I mean, if we are made the righteousness of God, does that mean God doesn't have righteousness and then we, He will bring us forth and then we are His righteousness? How does these things work? Well, God is righteous and then He will bring forth His righteousness in a certain way and we shall be made the very righteousness of God. Uh, what I've seen in, um, <coughs> in grace circles and also in the charismatic circles is that we've got this concept of uh, the righteousness as a theory and just as a stance before God, meaning you are as you ought to be, which I agree, but that is, I mean, it, there's a broader understanding of how are we as we ought to be. And just as a stance of and, and, and we basically defined righteousness as pertaining to the law. Meaning that um, since we are not under the law anymore and the law cannot accuse us of sin, therefore we are righteous because we don't have sins. That definition of righteousness is still a works-based definition because works is the foundation from where you define the righteousness. Uh, righteousness according, if, we, if, if, if righteousness that is imputed to us and we spoke about this two Sundays ago, is uh, it means to be as you ought to be in the presence of a father or a God that made you a promise of immortality. And if you are as you ought to be in the presence of one who, um, who, who promises you immortality free from your works, the only way you are as you ought to be is to say, well, Father, if you promise me that, then I believe you. Okay, that defines the righteousness of faith, and we've got a whole teaching on that. Go two weeks back, and you can just go and see that teaching in depth. And then we've got the righteousness of the law, which uh, I defined as two parts. There's two parts of that righteousness, and the righteousness of the law can also be combined with the righteousness of God, in that the law points to what Christ had to come and do in order to bring salvation to man. The other righteousness of the law is the righteousness where we try to find life by obeying the law ourselves and that is the righteousness of the law which can never produce life and uh, if our definition of righteousness is well Jesus fulfilled the law and because the law was taken out of the way therefore I don't have a law that can accuse me as a sinner and because I don't have sin therefore I'm righteous you're still living under the law uh, you're living under under the thing of well because there's not a law I am righteous uh, you know, saying, well, because I cannot, because there is not a law, I'm righteous because I cannot break a law, therefore I cannot be guilty by my works, and because I cannot be guilty by my works, I am righteous. That is still a works-based definition of righteousness. So, uh, you know, we, the righteousness that we can walk in, is the righteousness of the Trinity, where we are as we ought to be, you are as you ought to be, by simply believing that God will bring forth life and immortality in you. Now that covers the righteousness of the law, that covers the righteousness of faith, meaning uh, that faith, uh, uh, righteousness is imputed to us on account of belief. Now, 
how um, how are we made the very righteousness of God and I'm gonna have a look here at a verse in Romans 10 we're just having a look at Romans 10 and we can read from verse 1 Romans 10 and verse oh my goodness Romans 10 and we read from verse 1 brethren my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved so what does Paul pray about Israel here is that they might be saved now that is an amazing thing that the Apostle Paul is praying there he says I pray that Israel might be saved the kind of a thing that is going around in church today is that the Jews are the saved people of God and that the church is actually lost and that they must suck up to the Jews so that God can then one day kind of also have a bit of favor and save the Gentiles by how they bless the Jews. People, that is a lie. I want to say that to you and you might say, Bertie, yeah, I'm uh, anti-Jew or anything like that. Let me tell you something, I'm not anti the Jews. I am anti stepping upon the blood of Jesus in glorifying human flesh and the flesh of a certain nature of a certain nation saying that God even honors the flesh of a nation and thereby by the flesh of a nation he will save man I mean that is absolute heresy and it is infiltrating the church and I know I will still receive a lot of persecution for what I am about to teach not today but in future about the Jews and um, what God has done concerning nations I, I want to say this just in short to know to, that you can know where I will go with this there is no more Jew there is no more Gentile glory to God we don't walk by that anymore so here the Apostle Paul prays he says I pray that the Jews may be saved if the context and I know a bit of the point but let me just say this if the context of Paul's understanding of Jews is that one day in the turn of Christ the Jews are going to be saved because they're going to see the Messiah for who, who they are why is he then praying that the Jews might be saved he knows they're going to be saved in the return of Christ you see those are difficult questions that uh, people wouldn't like to answer you know but here Paul comes and he says I wish that the Jews might be saved I wish that Israel might be saved uh, because all that are of Israel aren't Israelites well I'm a bit off the point but let's get um, <clears throat> let's get back into the scripture there in verse 2 it says I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge so these guys are zealous They've got the zeal. They've got even the zeal of God. They have a zeal of God. They've got a zeal for serving God, having doing things for God, but not according to knowledge. Now it says, why? In verse 3, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, are going about to establish their own righteousness, having not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes for Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law that the man that does those things shall have life or live by doing the law so the righteousness of the law is I will give you life or you will have life by what you do but the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven that is to bring the Christ down from above in other words that is to bring the Savior or salvation to the earth or to say who will um, 
verse 5, uh, I lost the point placed there. But the righteousness which is of faith, verse 6, speaks this way, Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring the Christ down, verse 7, or who shall descend into the deep, who will humble himself, who will, who will serve so much or, or, and go even to, to, to depth, or go, go, into, go do a great work or go travel great distance that is to bring Christ from the dead so it says so it says it's not by your works it says you shall not have life by your works but the righteousness of God says this the word of promise I want to add it in there to give the context is close to you even in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith where we can be persuaded um, that God will give us immortality and eternal life by what he promises now, I know you might say that I've, I've added a lot to that passage there, but if you read from chapter 4 and chapter 5, that is the context in which it's written. So what, what he says is that the righteousness of God is to say, um, I promise you eternal life by my doing. The righteousness of the law says, if you... Or the equitable deed of the law is that the law will, by your own willpower, give you life by obeying the law. For it says the righteousness of the law is, if you obey the law, then you will, by what you do, have life. The righteousness of God says, don't do anything, God promised you life, and therefore it will, it will bring forth life. So, God's righteousness is God's equitable deed towards man in justifying sinners with immortality or blessing sinners with immortality now you might say Bertie that can never be true maybe you've read this before let's go to Romans chapter um, I think it's 4 verse 5 it says <coughs> let's read it it says there but to him that works not but believes on him that justifies the ungodly his faith is counted for righteousness. Let's read it to the shock of our legalistic system again. But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So what must we believe? We must believe that God will justify the ungodly. What is this justification? This justification is not to say, well I don't just look at my sin. The justification is to treat you with and bless you with immortality and eternal life. Um, free from your works, by promise, by what God promises you. So God says very clearly that I promise you immortality. I promise you eternal life. That's what I promise you as sinners. I will justify the sinner with life and immortality. The one who believes it, he is living righteous. For he is not saying to God, God, you don't know what you're talking about. God, you don't know what you are saying. I will have be righteous by, my, by obedience to the law and by those works I will have life. It's like, let me give a good example on finances, you know. If you say you're going to have the life of financial stability and the life of uh, financial prosperity and you're going to protect your finances by tithing or giving to the local church and thereby you are honoring God and bringing in protection over your finances for you've got this revelation, 
you know what you're actually doing? You are, you are having the life of financial blessing by your own works and you have not submitted to the righteousness of God which is to say, I bless you and I'm good to you and I'm your Abba and I'm your Father. You have not submitted to the righteousness of God. You've worked up your own righteousness and the prayer of the Apostle Paul towards a person that lives that way is, I pray that he might be saved. Now, like I said before, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, you know, you can maybe tell that I'm a little bit upset about certain things. You know, I tell you, when I look at the church, when I look at what's happening in the church, sometimes I feel in my heart, Lord Jesus, you know, we need to preach the gospel of grace so powerfully and so boldly, with so much power, that people can see the truth and wake up to, this, to, to, to reality and get away from all the lies and deception. I found that as the grace of God comes towards the church, there's always some, some people that are coming in, spying out our freedom and wanting to bring in some form of legalism and law, leaving the church in a place where they cannot experience the freedom of God. People, we can never and should never uh, be in a place where we cannot believe that God will justify the ungodly. What the righteousness of God says is this. This is what the righteousness of God says. This is the message of the righteousness of God. God promises the sinner and the, 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 uh, the ungodly immortality. Let me say that again. God promises people immortality, the ungodly. I want to read it. I want this to sink into your heart. But to him that works not, in other words, that does not work up his own righteousness, who by some kind of a principle want to have life, but trusts God to justify the ungodly. In other words, I'm not working up any form of righteousness. I declare by my own works I'm ungodly. I don't have the godliness in my acts and, and equitable, equitable character. I don't have any of those things, but it doesn't matter. I believe in a God that will justify and give life and immortality unto the ungodly. Your faith is counted for righteousness. It means when you believe that, you, it's account of you for righteousness. God is saying, Amen, you're doing the right thing. To believe and trust that I will do that for you. But the righteousness of the law says, you will have life by what you do. The righteousness of faith says, I have life by God promising me the life and He will make bring forth His promise. Now, uh, with that said, with that said, we're going to move on. Now it says that Jesus was made sin. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. It says, For He made Him to be sin for us, or we can read it this way, For He made Him sin for us, who knew no sin. In other words, Jesus knew no sin, but He was made sin for us. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So, there is a righteousness of God. What does the righteousness of God say? The righteousness of God says that I will 
give you life and immortality. I'll give you holiness as a free gift. I'll set you free from the power of the flesh. I'll take the law system out of the way. And by my doing, you will have life, the fruit of the Spirit, and immortality. That is what the righteousness of God says. But He came and ended the law system. Why? That this righteousness that God speaks can manifest and that we can be made that righteousness. That is what it means, that we can be made the righteousness of God. Now let me explain to you how I see this. If, you are in a, if God would, would be standing in a court of law, and He would be accused of being a murderer, of being uh, a person that is sin conscious, of a person that judges, judges sinners uh, with death, and a person that is harsh, that... Uh, reap where he has not sown and all those kind of things and he come, they come in with all this accusation they even come with scriptures to prove it what would be the voice of God's righteousness what would God's righteousness be in that place in that court of law what would be the proof of his righteousness or uh, uh, you know the, 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 the message that will say he, all those accusations are false he's actually righteous what would that be? It would be a person that does not deserve by any of his good works to be loved, a person that doesn't deserve by any of his good works to be blessed, a person that is worthy of death, you know, to be given unto life by God, to be life to be given unto him, to take a man that's been down and out and see him blessed and prosperous and full of life and happiness and joy and all his flesh taken away and everything, standing in that court and without saying a word, just seeing what God did to the ungodly and how God blessed him would contradict all other accusations and that man and what God has done in that man would be God's righteousness in that court of law. In the very same way we are made the righteousness of God, meaning that if you want to behold the righteousness of God, you look at man. We can be made the righteousness of God. What does that mean? Here is a, 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 an apostle, Apostle Paul, sitting in his own feces in jail and singing praises to God. Isn't that a manifestation of the righteousness of God? Of how God could take a man and put him above his circumstances? How God could take a man that persecuted the church and God could take his flesh away, could take sin away, could take death out of him and give him a life for people to the point that he will sit in jail in the stocks and he would shout praises to the Lord, worshipping God for the glory of uh, knowing the love of God to the point that the law people would actually persecute him and finding a joy that comes from much more than the things of this world. When we behold Paul sitting in jail, singing praises unto God, we behold how God can justify the ungodly unto a place where he is living the life God lives. Therefore, we see Paul being made the righteousness of God. And the end of us being made the righteousness of God would be the resurrection from the dead, wherein we have immortality and life, wherein the righteousness of God shall be seen and manifested in us, where people will say when they see a sinner uh, uh, that has been set free, have the life of God, they will say, behold the righteousness of God. Now you might say, 
But that means that I am only the righteous of God by my works and by the good that manifest in me. No, <laughs> that's not what it means. What I'm saying is, if you, if God can take you free from your effort, free from your contribution, free from your works, and promise you life, and bring forth that life in you. You are the manifestation of the righteousness of God in this earth. That's why the Bible says in Romans 10 there, that as long as what you try and work some principle or try and obey the law, so that you can have life by the law, or have blessedness by the law, or by some principle, you have not submitted yourself to the equity of character of God. Now, let us go and look at the definition of righteousness. Now, I'm not going to go there and find it for you in the Greek. You can go and see it. I'm just going to, I typed it out and I'm going to just read it to you. This is what it says. It says, this is the meaning. It's the Greek word 1343. It means to be as you ought to be. Uh, from Strong's it says, equity of character or act. So, we are made the equity or character, or the equity um, of character or act of God. You know, so God shows His righteousness by ex putting His good deeds and His equity of character on display inside you. Therefore, we say, behold the righteousness of God. Let me say that again. God is righteous. But His equity of character or equity of act, which is the definition for righteousness, uh, is one of the definitions. His equity of character and his, his um, equity of act is put on display inside you by Him being good to you. By Him taking away the sin of a sinner. By Him breaking the power of the flesh over a sinner. By Him living His life in the sinner. By Him taking the, 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 the ungodly and giving Him a seat in the Trinity. Clean Him up. Make Him holy. Make Him everything He needs to be by the doing of God. That is the righteousness or the equity of character of God put on display, uh, uh, put on exhibit. You can see it. Amen. Okay, another meaning for justification, or the root meaning of the word justification means equitable in, um, in character or act, by implication, innocence. So, when we are made the righteousness of God, we are the voice, what God does in us. By taking away all our sin, by bringing forth life, by Him bearing His fruit in us, not by our works, we are spelling the very innocence of God. You must realize that God doesn't stand innocent before the world on account of legalism and law and lies about God. But when we see God taking a sinner and blessing the ungodly, giving His Son to the ungodly, and not just in theory, but that it is actually powerful enough that He will bring forth His fruit in us, we, the world can look at, and people can look at, and we can look at what God brings forth, and we can say, God has been accused as a murderer of people, judgmental, angry, um, a, a, a money-hungry God that's running after your tithing and your sowing and all those kind of things, that seeks that you must now honor His resurrection by paying the tithe and all those kind of things. Y you know, you must pay with your faithfulness and all that. 
we've been we've seen God in that light you know that's what's been taught about us but when we behold what God does for the ungodly that he gives his son to the ungodly he cleans them up, He gives them life, He heals their broken hearts, He restores them, He gives unto them the kingdom, He actually comes and co-live with them, He lives inside them, He takes the ungodly and say, I love to, I, I love to live inside you, you are my temple, you, you, I give you the highest quality of life, then we say, oh my goodness, you know, now in what we see God has done here, we beholding God and we can come to the conclusion that God is actually innocent. Therefore, we are now made the righteousness of God. Can you see that, church? So our expectation, and we should never have this narrow definition of righteousness, of, you know, a law-based definition where we say, well, you know, there's no more law, therefore I'm righteous, and because... Well, thank God that the law has been taken away. And according to the law's definition of righteousness, the whole world has been made righteous because it was all been taken away. But we shall not just be made righteous with the righteousness of the law by our sin be taken away. We shall be made the righteousness of God by God bearing forth His fruit in us. So what we do as the church is we say, hands off all kinds of human effort to to try and score points with God or to try and work any kind of relation of work to bring forth life and we all we do is we say when Jesus died the son of the world died my son died and the spirit that raised him from the dead is available for me I believe that I'm forgiven I believe that I'm innocent I believe the law of man has been taken away and I believe that what God has promised me what God has promised me, which is immortality and the fruit of the Spirit by His doing, as I believe that I receive the Spirit of truth. And as I receive that Spirit of truth, God brings forth His fruit in me. And as He lives in me, I am the very righteousness of God on display in this world. Therefore, I am made the righteousness of God. The only way where we can see the righteousness, of, only place we can see the righteousness of God is in what happened in Christ in human form. And uh, that was, all of that righteousness that we see there was so that we can be made that righteousness. That all angels, all demons, every person that ever lived can behold the goodness and the equity of character and the equitable deed of God in Christ in us. The equitable deed of Jesus is wonderful, but the end goal of that equitable deed is so that we can be justified with life and immortality, free from our contribution and work. Glory to God, church! Isn't that good news? That is absolute good news. Glory to God. We've got a let me see, there's some other verses here to explain righteousness. Uh, Romans, uh, Psalm 112 verse 9, it says, He has dispersed, talks about a man giving to the poor. He has dispersed, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. What is his righteousness that endures forever? The new life is given to the poor. The blessedness that comes to the poor, this equitable deed wherein he actually changed the life of a poor person. It's like going to a man that cannot afford 
education and you pay for his education and when you pay for his education he gets his degree and you see this new life come forth inside that person your righteousness remains forever your equitable deed your equity of character remains where do we see the righteousness in how he blessed the poor that is his righteousness the blessing the poor received is seen as the righteousness of the man that gave it it shall be forever and then it says and the wicked shall see it and be grieved the law-based persons say that's not right can't be that easy can't be that simple they will grieve but I want to tell you the righteousness of God wherein he as the rich came and blessed the poor with his quality of life shall remain forever for it shall be for bear forth its fruit and that righteousness shall manifest in us we've got to, we're going to end off with this verse in Romans 1 verse 17 check this out it says Verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. What is the gospel? It is the power that will bring forth salvation from the flesh. It shall bring forth life in you. The, what? The gospel. Not your effort. The gospel. Um, to everyone that believes. So as we believe this, like I explained, we receive the spirit of the truth. The spirit revives us and gives us life to the Jew first and also to the Greek in other words this gospel was preached to the Jews in law form wherein he said listen Jews this is what I'm gonna do gave all the prophetic words to them and then also for the Greek and also for the Gentile unfortunately the Jews rejected well, most of them rejected the gospel um, verse 17 for therein inside the gospel inside the goodness that God portrayed in Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith what is mean it means that the righteousness of God the equity of character of God comes forth and is revealed and shown in the one who believes that God can give life and immortality and the fruit of the Spirit as a free gift it is revealed in him meaning God manifests that in him and as it is revealed we say ah oh, I see I see the righteousness of God here is the righteousness of God and then we beholding the believer glory to God wherein God manifests his righteousness hallelujah let me say that again I, I conclude with this God comes and he says I'll give you I give you I give you eternal life and immortality God says I by my doing give you life and immortality I promise you that it is not for you to work up I promise you I'll give it to you the worst thing you can ever do is to say well God I hear what you say but let me just make sure and work some principle to have life it's like me promising my son saying to him you know my son I'm gonna buy you this thing or that thing and then I come home I, I travel I come home after a week I purchase this thing for him and I come home and I see he's built his own one I asked him why why did you do that you thought and he says well um, I didn't trust you I, I I was scared that I couldn't do the work right and therefore I, I built this thing by my own work. Even if he built something that is as good as what I bought him, it would be a voice of him believing I'm not a righteous father. His work is an accusation against me. His work is a lie. 
He's actually lying about me, his unbelief, because he cannot believe that he doesn't have to do anything and I will just give it to him. In the very same way God came and he promised us, he promised us life and immortality. We were bound by death, bound by Satan's system. He promised us. In His promise, He made it possible to fulfill this promise by taking away the law, man, and everything. And then He comes and He tells you this promise. As we believe this, we receive the spirit of faith, the truth that brings life or that is the life of God. As that spirit enters us, what does He then do? He comes and manifests this equitable deed. He manifests His righteousness which is, He is so good, He takes the unjust, He takes the ungodly and He brings life to them as a free gift. He takes the ungodly and blesses the ungodly with life. And as the ungodly, just say, God, if you want to make the ungodly immortal and give them your quality of life and have them co-seated with you, that's okay, I believe you'll do it. And as you believe He does it, He does it. He brings it forth. And now the righteousness of God, who He always was, is revealed. Where? In you. So if we say, where's the righteousness of God? Here I am. Why am I called the righteousness of God? Because I can have life free from my works. So if you come with your effort of how you, I'm the blessed of God. I come with my ten testimonies of how God has prospered me because I followed this principle or that principle. Just shut up. You are lying about God. You are saying He is unrighteous. For the righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel and God giving for free and Him promising, not by you doing. It's like Abraham going bragging on his child with Hagar. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Cast out the bondwoman with a child. Meaning, cast out the legalistic system with the child or the fruit or the testimony you got from your legalistic system. People, I know I say some radical things, but we are not going to have eternal life by blessing the Jews. We're going to have eternal life by believing on Jesus. And every Jew that believes on Jesus shall also be saved. And the Jew that doesn't believe will be lost. That is how simple it is. For why? For he has not submitted to the righteousness of God. Everyone that still continues to believe that we must, outside of just God giving us life and immortality, by Him promising us, outside of that, anything outside of that is building up your own righteousness so that you by that work can have life. You're not going to have life by blessing the Jews. I'm not saying curse the Jews. I'm not saying we should curse anybody. I say let us believe that God will give us life, that He will pour out His love in us, that He will pour out His righteousness inside us and put His righteousness on display inside us by the power of the resurrection. And we will bless Jew. We will bless Gentile. We will bless any person. We would love the lost. We will be generous. Everything. Why? On account of God's righteousness manifested inside us, putting it on display and therefore we shall be made the righteousness of God by Him living in us. He became sin so that you might be made the righteousness of God. You will be the righteousness of God on display. And if people ask, where is the righteousness of God? I point to you. Glory to God. That's what God points to anyway. He's promised you life. He's promised you immortality, church. And let us believe. Let us believe that truth. He has proved it so many times. Let us believe upon Him and so have life and immortality.
Glory to God. Thank you so much for watching this webcast. I trust this has blessed you. If you've got any questions, please send it to info at dynamicministries.com and I will get back to you as soon as possible. For everybody that is in the United States, please go to Latest News and under Latest News you'll find my itinerary for the my US trip that will start on, I think I'm flying on the 9th of April already um, and uh, I'll be there for about six weeks and just check where I'm going to be, I'm go I, I might be in your area and uh, come and let us meet one another, let us fellowship together excuse me, <clears throat> we're going to just have an awesome time uh, in the United States and then we will also uh, have our itinerary for uh, our y Europe trip. We're going we're gonna to have a trip to Europe as well later this year. Uh, I'm leaving the end of July and I'll be there for the, basically for the month of August. So uh, end of July, August, I'll be in Europe. I know I'm going to be in Ireland, I'm going to be in England, I'm going to be in Holland, uh, Germany, um, uh, 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 in, I'm going to be in Budapest, Hungary. So this, this I'm going to be in France. Guys, it's going to be awesome. Uh, check that out. It will be up soon. Thank you so much. Know that you are the blessed of God and that He makes you His righteousness. Don't have any effort, any, any kind of effort whereby you try and change the things outside of believing He brings it forth by His resurrection power is called the works of the flesh and human righteousness and it does not work the righteousness of God. Glory to God. Thank you so much guys. God bless.